Hey there! We're the West Slab Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with a red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowski. Well, gentlemen, that was a little bit more like it this uh, past weekend as uh, Justin Jackson sets the Northwestern all-time rushing record in a pretty convincing win over uh, a beaten and bruised Maryland. I mean, I, I don't know if there's any other way to describe Maryland than just they're just beat to hell. They're a, they're a team that is really unexceptional. Um and whatever exceptional play they had from the quarterback position was long since erased by injury. They're a team that's pretty bad on both sides of the ball with one player who will absolutely start in the NFL. And that is DJ Moore, who was everything Scuzz said he would be and more. Um, uh, no pun intended. But what, that, everything Scuzz said and DJ Moore? Exa- I mean, what a, what a monster. Don't do um, that. Don't Sorry. Do that. Sorry. <laughs> I may have had some wine this evening. I apologize. No, no it, it was it was good. I just I uh, I'm having like PTSD Flashbacks, from that 52 yeah. yard run that he had that should have been stopped after five. He, I mean, the guy is a monster. There's no doubt about it. He he is unbelievable. And if Maryland didn't have him, they're down with Rutgers at the bottom of the conference. And as it is. I still think they've they've got a tough road ahead of them, but they they have one legitimate player, um, and you know we can we can kind of go up one side and down the other of of what this game says about us versus what it says about Maryland. But you can't argue that this was the right team at the right time for us to play. That's for sure. They have one good player in 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 more, but their running backs are decent as well, and we really shut them down. I mean, they averaged something like less than three yards per carry. Uh, and those guys, those guys are no joke. Um, so the fact that, that we held Johnson and Harrison in, in that space, I mean, that like our defense That's, came to play. And I think I, I said before the game, you know, if, if our defense can survive the first half and basically get, get Patty Fisher and uh, Godwin Iwike back, we'll be in good shape. And that was, that was certainly the case. I mean, you saw in the second half, Maryland had, had hardly anything on offense. Oh, well, I mean, I, I think the way that I meant to present that is from the perspective of if they didn't have more, it would have been an absolute slaughter. I mean, it would have been 50 to nothing. The only reason that they were even hanging around was that he was just playing absolutely out of his mind. And right, that's not to give short shrift. Our defense is a great defense, and we can kind of get into the nitty-gritty of that because there's a couple guys I really want to talk about in particular that are truly special players on our defense, but... Um, the, yeah, it's just, they don't have a good offense aside from him. Uh, Borden Schlager's line as a quarterback on passes, not thrown to DJ Moore was five of 26 for 45 yards. So they, they've got real issues, but yeah, I mean, he was Thorson the only thing. might've had a game or two like that last year relative to Austin Carr. I'm just yeah, no, fair point. I, fair point. I know I, I, I'd give anything to have DJ Moore, but but with that said, I mean, there's there's no doubt that um, despite everything we talked about last week, we're just so much more of a complete team than Maryland is. They're not a good defensive team, and now that they've kind of been neutered from the quarterback position, um, they're kind of a mess. But, I mean, I, that's not to say we needed coming out of the past couple games to come out and play a great game, and we got one. So the question I have is, uh, you know, looking at the first six games of the season, we're, we're halfway through the season. We play good defenses and we struggle. Um, and there, there is some question on whether or not Duke is a good run, a good defense. Um, they clearly were able to stop our run. Um, but and and there's no question that Wisconsin and Penn State are good defenses. They're the literally the number one and number four defenses in the country. <laughs> so, what does that say about our offense? I mean, yes, we we couldn't move the ball against the best defenses in the country. Uh, but, you know, we we can run, we, you know, run it over everyone else. Where so he, I mean, he, compared to what we were taught, like where we were at last week, you know, a lot of doom and gloom last week, and rightfully so. We looked really, really bad against Penn State. We looked really good offensively against uh, Maryland. How, how, do we, how do we spin that forward? 
So I I asked I asked people on Twitter like how much better they were feeling about the Cats one week after the debacle of of Penn State and you know with this Maryland game now and under the belt and the the response I got was pretty meh like um there were a couple people that were happy with you know the shift in play calling and and I'll I'll detail that in a second there were some that that just kind of chalked this up to hey, Maryland sucks, and those other teams are good, and this doesn't mean really anything for our tra- trajectory as a team. I I feel better because it, after the Penn State game, I, I mean, I said on the podcast last week, right, like I, I felt like Northwestern could come out and win, you know, five of the next seven games on their schedule and be bowl eligible, and the coaching staff would probably, you know, call that a successful season at the end just because of, of how much easier the schedule got. And... I feel a bit more encouraged than I would have under the scenario if we come out and won like 21-14 or, you know, some of those games where we've struggled to put a team away or it, you know, it it, it comes down to, I think about a lot of Minnesota games in the past where it's like 28-27 or 17-14, like things where the offense does just enough and it's really the defense that carries across the line. This to me was more of a complete effort from the team. And I don't think we've really seen that yet to date this season, you know, a complete effort. Um, so I, I I feel marginally better than I did after Penn State because it did feel like the rails could come off after Penn State and we, we could have finished the season four and eight or five and seven. I mean, that was certainly, certainly um, possible. I think a combination of we're maybe not as good as we hoped or thought we might be. Those two teams, Penn State and Wisconsin, are better than their potential flaws, you know, that we've, we've called out over the, over the last four to six weeks could have turned out to be. And this is where we're at. And, you know, I, the big test this weekend is, is certainly going to uh, establish, you know, where Northwestern falls in the pecking order the rest of the way. Well, Scott, speaking, speaking of last week um, and, and things that you said on last week's pod, I do want to harken back uh, to something that, uh, Specifically, that you said, and we'll go ahead and, and cue that up right now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ballistic if by going back to the offensive line that we ran at the end of last season, like things are solidified enough that JJ can. <laughs> <laughs> things. I like, God, I'm just, I... I'm gonna like put my head in a vice and uh, just pour whiskey all over myself. Like it was just a rope. Like it was just a rope a dope. We oh we just God. like we were just gonna give a, give away three losses so that the meat of our schedule didn't know it was coming, and then we just like <laughs> it's brilliant, brilliant. What an amazing, what an amazing con job. All right, buddy. I need you to make sure that uh, all of your power tools, all of your vices, are put away, uh, <laughs> locked, and uh, and th- throw away the key, please, because the the. The, the whiskey's all upstairs. I just have a beer. It's going to be fine. Um, but I, you know, we, we've been, ta- we've been talking since, since camp, right? Like Sam, you were, you were not happy during camp that we were dicking around with the offensive no, line. not at all. We're playing with this, like, who are, who are the best five? We started doing that middle of last season. It, it hasn't paid any dividends. John, you, you keep referencing like, Go back to the team that 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 we put out against Pitt. The the four offensive line linemen and, and that are returning. Pitt, they they started like seven straight games, basically. And we we do that, and granted, against an inferior opponent. And voila, one hundred seventy one rushing yards and an average <laughs> over five, like WTF. Yeah, you know, it kind of goes back to what we've been talking about before. I mean, it was great for Jackson to get this because you know, I just. I think we all had this feeling based on the way the last couple of things, which is like, is he going to break this record in just depressing fashion where he gets like 20 yards on the game or whatever? And it wasn't. He busted loose. And and he is the kind of player that if you give him any kind of help, he will reward you. And that's what it does. He, no one guy brings him down. And if he gets any kind of holes, it's it's funny, though. I think we feel better from the perspective, right, of we were – we didn't know where the floor was coming mm-hmm. out of Wisconsin and precisely. And I think there was a lot of feeling that like, Oh gosh, is, is the floor below Maryland? Because if it is, you know, this is going to be a long season and it's not We're our offense was way better than their defense was. And that was good to see with that said. And I think, you know, Sammy, you were saying, you know, what does this all mean 
for like where we are and where we're going. Well, the problem is, um, I feel like I'm, I'm pretty confident about what it means relative to Iowa, and I don't think it's good news. I'm happy that that we're starting, that we're kind of back to that same lineup, but Iowa's defense is just awesome this year, and we have yet to see us you know, even, you know, manage almost anything against an awesome defense. Now, it could be that, that this game against Maryland kind of got us on track in a way that we need to, but I, I think it's unreasonable to expect leaps and bounds. Um, Iowa's defense is awesome. Iowa, I think, to I'm me is, not sure that that's true. Boy, I I mean, I don't want to... I mean, they, they played Penn State tight. Have, they, you I mean, at, have you looked at the box score from, from the Illinois game? I I guess I mean Illinois was moving the ball I guess but I mean they crushed they gave up two hundred yards on the ground. I, hey, I, here's hoping. I mean they're they have at a clip best... of six point seven per carry. Hey, here here's hoping. I I hope that works. Now again, I, it's hard to say. I know Illinois' offensive line. I mean, and these are the these are where we still have the unknowns, right? I mean, so Illinois' offensive line is not good. There's. It's totally possible Illinois' offensive line is better than our offensive line. Uh, we don't know. Um, I mean, the, the floor for our offensive line is, is pretty bad. Fair and again, point. Things showed up against uh, – and now, I mean, we're better at just about every other position than Illinois, um, and that's why they're so horrible, and, and you know, we hope that we're not. But um, but Illinois – I mean, Nebraska, um, uh, Iowa does start the best linebacker in the country. I mean, he's, that's where we're headed. Josie Jewell's going to win the Buckus. Everything is aligning in that way. He's, he's been the best linebacker in the nation through seven weeks. So, um, yeah, I mean, unless things really change for him, he's probably going to cruise to the Buckus. Everyone is talking about him every week. It's just setting up like that, that this is his year. So that's what we have to look forward to. Now, overall, you know, is the unit where Wisconsin's defense is or Penn State's defense? No, but I do think it's very good. Um, again, Penn, uh, Wisconsin is the number one scoring defense, uh, and Penn state's the number one scoring defense through this part of this point in the season and Wisconsin's fourth in the nation. So again, this is where, yeah, it's still hard to get that barometer, but I do think Iowa, with the exception of that Iowa state game and newsflash, Iowa state's a pretty good football team. And that was on the road. Um, it, Iowa has not given up a lot of points and I think it's, it's unreasonable to us to expect. Now, on the other hand, Iowa's offense is bad. They're not they're not scoring a lot of points this season, and I think our defense can more than handle them. Yeah, and, uh, and that think, that actually was a question that I had. You know, uh, if their talent is running the ball, Akram Wadley and uh, what's his face from Nevada, the transfer Butler, but I think he's dinged up. He's I don't think he's really been playing. Okay, so, so Akram Wadley, we, we've seen him for years and years. Our de- our run defense has been really solid. I mean, we handled Saquon Barkley all, but all except not for against one. Akram Wadley. I so and that's it's a it's a thing, right? Because that's one of the other big tests. It's like, is our run defense finally going to get squared away against a good defense, and are we finally going to get squared away against Akram Wadley? Because I mean, you just look at that Penn I, the Penn State game, the defense, but especially the defensive line. Um, deserves a lot of credit for what happened in that game because our off- our offense was going three and out the entire second half, and that defense was just out there playing out of their minds against Saquon Barkley, who except for one play was pretty much completely contained. And you could say the same about Jonathan Taylor. So the the defensive line, I I'll use this. It's as good a point as any. People just need to know. Um, and I don't know if Northwestern fans have focused on it enough. I don't feel like we have because of all the talk about the offense. We have one of the best defensive lines in the Big Ten. I know everyone is looking for that speed rusher. Everyone wants a Foddy, and we don't have that. What we have is an awesome run defense, defensive line, and two defensive ends who it's kind of scary how good they are for how young they are. Joe Gaziano is playing fantastically in his second year on the field, but Sam Dup Miller, holy moly, this guy, what is going on? He started four games, and in those four games, he has three sacks and four and a half TFLs. The, the kid is a monster. He's a true freshman. 
And we have those two guys at bookends. And if you've been watching, I mean, those guys are just blowing up the pocket. They did it against Maryland. They did it against Penn State. Um, and, you know, if it's, you know, our secondary, of course, is what it is through no fault of their own, just with the injuries and everything. But if you want to know, like, why this defense is so good, start with the defensive line. They are really good. And then, you know, Lancaster in the middle is doing what's expected of him against the run. Um, so, yeah. I, again, it's always circling back, right? Akron Wadley has had our number, but this is a special defensive line. And I think this, this if you're looking for a coming out party, uh, if they haven't already had one, this could really be their opportunity. Well, and especially because Nathan Stanley's a statue back there. Right, um, right. He's He's been really good this year. He's been far better than, than we anticipated um, coming out of camp when... You know, he, he couldn't get his accuracy under control. He could barely stave off the, the other guy he was competing with. But his TD to pick rate is, is spectacular. They haven't played a lot of great defenses outside of Penn State. Um, but he's been he's been good. He's been efficient. I I liken, if you, if you look at the last two years against Iowa, Wadley ran for only 35 yards on 14 carries last season. Two years prior, he ran for like 200-plus um, and just annihilated Northwestern. I, I'd like to think that part of the equation was um, a healthy C.J. Beathard two years ago who had a lot of mobility in his game. He was hampered all of last season for Iowa. Stanley is not going to be able to to stress our defense with his legs, and that should allow us to, to concentrate more on Wadley. I like that opportunity. They don't, they don't have the big weapons um, at receiver either. Uh, although um, Vandenberg is 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 back right and playing for their team, so he's a big threat. We'll have to watch out, a la DJ Moore. Um, I'm I'm more concerned about and John, you mentioned it, you know the ability to score points because I think I think Iowa has been the ultimate bend but don't break defense this season. They gave up a, a million yards to Saquon Barkley. I mean that was their plan in that game, right? To to let him do whatever he wanted and to to shut down Trace McSorley, but then to give up. 200 on the ground and 250 through the air to Jeff George Jr. against Illinois. I mean, <laughs> my goodness. I mean, they put up 45 points on the other side, so I don't think they were too worried uh, on the defense. But um, to give up that kind of yardage is is kind of amazing. But where they really knuckle down is in the red zone. It is hard to score touchdowns against Iowa, and if we miss field goals or if we can't convert um, in you know like third and one. Or what? Or you know, goal to go from the from inside the five yard line. If we can't convert those types of opportunities against Iowa, we're absolutely going to lose this game. Um, the thing that is encouraging coming out of Maryland, and this is something that that I was going back and forth a little bit with fake coach Fitz on uh, on Twitter, is that we did adjust our play calling a bit. Um, we did more more slants. We moved the pocket and got Thorson away from the rush a little bit. We did things spread concepts right that open up the running game. If we try to power run, if we go back to kind of the stubborn mentality that we see this coaching staff sometimes display and try to power run against Iowa, uh, Josie Jewell is just going to own us, and that's going to be the end of it. Um, it seems, based on the stats, that you could scheme around him. North Texas is another team that was able to run the ball on Iowa, so I I, I like our chances. We should win this game. Iowa is not a, a great team this year, and if, if Northwestern is anything close to um, – Maybe not what we expected, but but you know the the team that won eight games last year and was able to do things on the ground and spring Justin Jackson and let him do his do his thing. We should be able to to come out victorious from this Iowa game. I think to at this point in the conference, you can kind of see that the Big Ten West has three tiers. Um, one is Wisconsin, all by themselves, light years ahead of everybody else. And if you look at Wisconsin's schedule. They're through the teeth of it. Uh, they have Michigan, but that Michigan team is not exactly breathing, you know, fear into the hearts of men right now. And aside from that, it all looks pretty handleable for Wisconsin. And then you've got that second tier, which I think right now looks like Northwestern, Iowa, and Purdue, uh, which is kind of a weird. I don't think we all thought Purdue would be here, but they are. And then Minnesota, who I think they belong in that bottom tier. Um, again, they might be a little bit better, but they haven't played great football for several weeks now, and they probably belong in the bottom three with Nebraska and Illinois, who are just garbage. Um, Nebraska is better than Illinois, but that's only because Illinois is one of the worst teams in the country. <laughs> <laughs> They're, Illinois' in play 
Illinois and maybe Kansas are in play for probably the, the basement of the Power Five right now. But, I mean, Illinois is a dumpster fire. But Nebraska is right there with them. Nebraska's really bad and is only not firing their head coach because we all know Scott Frost is going to be the head coach next season. Do we, though? Um, I, I mean, this is that's a whole other topic. But, yeah. you know, there's not a ton of big-name, you know, coaches kind of out there. And I, I think Fro- Frost will have his pick of the litter. They're going to push a blank check in front of him, and I think he's – I don't know. I just feel like he's going to go back into the fold. Anyway, Tom Osborne is his mentor. I mean, yeah, I, like, I there's just a connection like there, right? Like this, he, he played there, and look, and we're the recording. new athletic director at Nebraska was Mike Leach's boss. We're uh, yeah. Well, I mean, Leach has already said. Well, Leach has already said he's not going. I mean, can you imagine Leach going to to Nebraska? He's got such a good gig. Like his weirdness yeah. is a perfect fit for Wazoo. I don't know. And I, I also should point out that that's for a pirate lover. That's about the most landlocked job he can possibly <laughs> take. So more, I don't, more than I don't than Eastern he... Washington. But I mean, they're close to the Pacific. Not though. that I mean, close. Right I mean, there. Washington's a big state. But yes, it's, yeah, it's, no, close, it's closer. It's closer than, than Nebraska. Nebraska. Nebraska's about as far as you can get. Right? <laughs> yeah. There. So, but but in any case, so. I put Minnesota down in that group too. They they might be the best of those three. But I mean, there's there's three set tiers. Uh, no one's catching Wisconsin. They should sleepwalk through the rest of the Big Ten West. But second place is very much up for grabs. The Big Ten West is really bad, aside from Wisconsin. And and I feel like yeah, we've got to claim it. That's Guz mapped it out. Iowa is a very imperfect team. They're a very flawed team, as are we. Um, and I think they have as much case to claim to being the second best team in the conference as anybody does right now. And I think, you know, us versus them very well might shape out who's the number two team in the conference. The good news is if we can pull it out and they're the, and they're the next best team in the conference, there's a lot more wins on our schedule. So here's hoping. Uh, So real quick, before we move on, um, I, I, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about Justin Jackson, uh, setting the all time Northwestern rushing record. Uh, that, that, that's a, that's a big deal. And yeah, it's a bummer. It didn't happen sooner. Um, you know, we, all sorts of opportunities for it to happen at home, but that, that's not how it worked out. Um, you know, talk, talk about Justin Jackson a little bit. I mean, what, what has he meant to the program? I mean, he's been the face of this team for four years and a extremely upbeat, positive and successful I mean, I don't. I, we haven't had a, a four-year starter at running back um, who's been this pervasive as long as I can remember. Uh, I think Sutton started close to four years, but there were, you know, there were there were plenty of injury stints along the way. Um, Damian Anderson played for; he was obviously the starter for two years and played for the better part of a third. But I don't think I don't think anyone has come in as as a freshman as JJ did. And then you look at the success he's had. I mean, I, assuming that things go the way we we expect them to go this season, I mean that'll be four bowl games, right? Or three bowl games, right? Uh, on his resume. And I just I he's the he's the type of runner that you just love to watch, right? Like he makes um, he makes really hard yards look easy, and I think. Uh, obviously the, you know, anytime a Northwestern player sets a new record and, and, and does it with, um, the type of attitude and the type of persona that Justin's displayed at Northwestern, that's like, that's really exciting for the fan base. Um, and this just, this seems pretty notable to me and that he's on, he's on his way to, you know, conceivably 4,000 yard seasons and just like a kind of an epic performance that, that you don't see that much in college football anymore. I think for me, a big part of it is I think he's existed for the majority of his career in in tandem with Clayton Thorson. I mean, he came in a year earlier, but the two of them to me, I think, have always they've been the bell cows of the team for three years now. And I think to me, because Thorson has always been the conversation with him has always been trajectory. Right. And potential. He's potential NFL starter. You know, you're hoping he always continues to go up. The tools are all there. It's an NFL set of attributes. And you're looking for, you know, he just needs to keep developing and stuff. And I kind of feel like day one, Jackson arrived as a fantastic player. 
and has just been that player the entire time. Um, like I, I'm sure he would tell you that he works like crazy and I'm sure he does and I'm sure he's improved. Um, but to me, he was just fantastic from day one and has been that guy all the way through ultra dependable, uh, always going to make the first man miss. I don't think I've ever felt that he had a bad game. Um, and I'm not saying this to just heap accolades on him and just crap on our offensive line. I just think that's kind of the reality of the situation. I think this is a guy who spent four years being a awesome running back, uh, playing behind offensive lines who just haven't been at his caliber and just getting it done as much as he possibly could. And when he's had a bad game, I never came away from it being like, oh man, like what was wrong with Justin Jackson today? It's always like we weren't serving him the right way. And I just, that level of reliability and just game after game after game, knowing that you're going to get a good, knowing that, oh, this guy's in the open field. Oh, you know, he's going to make a man miss or this guy's in the open field. Oh, you know, he's going to drag a tackler a couple of yards. It's just such a luxury. And to just have had that, it's just the kind of thing that it's like a comfort. It's like a blanket and you almost get used to it um, because, you know, it's just been so comfortable. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's just the thing. It's just so consistently good. And, and, and it's just the kind of thing you hope someone's going to give him a shot in the NFL, even though he doesn't have the quote unquote measurables, just because you just watch it play after play after play. And you're like, this guy just gets it done. And and one thing you, it was kind of nice to see um, against Maryland is, is, is that option actually worked a little bit, you know, Thorson and Jackson kind of running in tandem. Uh, we pulled it out of the back of the playbook a little bit, saw that run once or twice and, Seemed to work. You know, nice to see Thorson kind of moving the pocket, getting out of the backfield and uh, carrying the ball himself. We finally learned to run that play um, correctly. I I still don't I still don't love uh, the speed option in the Northwestern offensive playbook. Um, it was uh, Kane Coulter was really good at it, and and we seem to want to keep doing it with much less fleet footed QBs, but. At least Thorson has learned to run um, as he's running along the line that that he is running forward so that he forces the defender to commit to him. Because two years ago and last year, he would basically run parallel to the line of scrimmage. It's just a disaster. And we've seen Northwestern, other Northwestern quarterbacks do that. Like that's been that, that's like one of the few things I can point to as a very clear and obvious like teaching miscue. Um but we seem to have ironed it out a little bit, and it has worked on occasion. Although uh, every now and again, it's just not not perfect. So the thing for me is, so when Thorson had his touchdown run in this game, the thirty-two yarder, um, my wife came in and she was like, "Oh, Northwestern just scored!" And she looked at me and she was like, "Well, that's good, right? Like, aren't you?" And I I realized that the reaction that I had given off was not a positive reaction. And the reason is that play was not on a, that was not off of a read option. That was just him dropping back into the pocket, seeing that everyone was covered, seeing that he had an opening and be like, well, I guess I better run. And then it almost is like him discovering how fast he is anytime he does that. And it's like, dude, just do this. All the time. If a pocket, if they rush four and the other team's in man coverage and they're not spying you, just go, man. You run like a deer. And it was funny because the the announcers repeatedly, and it was driving me nuts, repeatedly said this was the longest touchdown run of Clayton Thorson's career. As if he didn't do this against Stanford from 50 yards out. His very first game starting as a quarterback in college football. And it's just kind of like, how do you forget that you're a gazelle uh, and just not take advantage of this? I'm not saying that I want Kane Coulter just pulling it down at the first sign of trouble. But it's just you hope that a play like that is a wake up for Thorson and just be like, use this tool that you've been given. You're not the fastest accelerator, but your top speed is so fast. Um if the other team is giving it for giving it to you, just take it. And, you know, he took it against Maryland, and I hope he'll continue to do that. So I, I do want to talk a little bit about uh, the rest of the Big Ten. Um, you know, the Iowa Northwestern, 11 a.m. kick, central time. Uh, Vegas has Iowa favored by a point and a half. We'll see what happens. I, I think that has as much to do with 
the names on the uniforms as anything else. Um, you know, also at 11, you've got Maryland at Wisconsin, uh, Purdue at Rutgers, and then 230, Indiana at Michigan State, Illinois at Minnesota, and then the big one at night, Michigan at Penn State. Indiana, Michigan State's a little interesting, but there's, I mean, there's not much meat on this schedule after after our game, and other Big Tens might not might not see our game as as meaty. But um, I like we'll learn nothing about Minnesota other than than if they're not abjectly terrible. Uh, we'll learn nothing about Purdue. Unless Purdue smokes Rutgers. Like, I, Purdue I think will they, smoke Rutgers. I mean, like, I want to see, like, will, will they score 50? I don't know. Like, that's what I want to see, you know. But you're right. You're right. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, it's it seems like a uh, like a down weekend for the conference. And, and, yet, and yet everyone's going to talk up the Michigan-Penn State game as if it's, you know, the greatest game in the world. It's not? you know it's funny it's so weird to say this right now but i i mean the big issue in that game is i mean i'm not saying penn state's the greatest team in the world i just don't know how michigan scores points against this team penn state is the best it's the best scoring defense in the country at this point in the season and michigan's offense is not good um so i don't i mean I, I don't know exactly how this one's going to play out. It just certainly doesn't help Michigan that it's at Penn State. The weird one to me is that Indiana at Michigan State game. I, I kind of have to check myself because I was so anti-Michigan State coming into this season, and they're currently 5-1 and one and the number 18 team in the country. I, should, I think the one thing that I should say right off the top is um, I should have given more credit to the defense. I think my kind of point was that their defense was about at the same level as our defense, and that's not exactly wrong at this point in the season. Uh, but I think it ends up being a pretty positive statement about both sides. I do think it's funny that Michigan State, who's scrapping and clawing to get wins and has you know three straight one-possession games following a game when they got smoked by Notre Dame, that somehow that team is the eight, the number 18 team in the country. I mean, Michigan State is lucky to be 5-1, and one, and their offense is atrocious. And I, you know, but again, because they're so far above kind of what I projected for them, I don't want this to sound like sour grapes, but don't be surprised if Indiana comes in and gives the quote-unquote 18 team in the country all that they can handle. Uh, so far be it for me to um, move on to the rest of the country without pausing just a moment to talk about the insanity of last weekend and just how fun. Uh, starting Friday night uh, with, with both Clemson and Wazoo dropping road games to Syracuse and Cal, uh, teams that both were expected to just lay over and die for these top 10 teams. And then the rest of the weekend just a lot of fun games this past weekend. Um, what stood out to you guys? Uh, Cal intercepting a shovel pass. Yeah. Like, I, everything went wrong in that <laughs> Washington State-Cal game. And all, all I watched was the highlights, which was basically like six interceptions. But the interception of a shovel pass, which is... That was... It was a really bad shovel pass. It's relatively <laughs> inconceivable to intercept a shovel pass, right? Um, but it was thrown behind the runner, which is, again, inconceivable. It bounced off his hands and right into the hands of the defensive end. It just it was that kind of game for Washington State. There were another couple throws like over the middle that were thrown low that the Cal guy just happened to get under the ball. And like Justin Wilcox has that defense playing playing really well right now. And what I mean. It just like an everything goes wrong type game for Washington State, and I, I so it. I mean, it's true. The thing that I can't get over though is if you parallel the Washington and Washington State games, they each dropped seven points in the polls uh, or seven spots in the polls. And my takeaway from that was like Washington narrowly lost a defensive stalemate. Washington State was massacred. Cal is and, 20 times better than Arizona State, though. I, But, I mean, like, massacred. Like, Washington State, 
And, and part of it to me is just because like Washington State is Washington State and has been Washington State for the 10 years that led into this game. I just can't believe they didn't drop more than 10 spot, spots in the polls. I mean, they lost 37 to 3. And they're still the 15 team in the country. I, you know, I know they're giving credit for a resume. I was just kind of shocked um, that that basically the polls treated the Washington and Washington State uh, losses kind of equivalently. When the when the mighty Tatankas go rolling on the Palouse this upcoming weekend, woohoo! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I can't even finish my sentence there, but yeah, that might not go so well, but. Uh... I don't know. I, I, John, I, I think to a certain point, so to a certain point, you, you, like you have a point that, that Washington, um, I think Washington was also in, was expected to win big. Whereas I think Wazoo was, well, they were a pretty big favorite as well. I think 16 points or something along those lines. But the other, the thing for Northwestern fans to take away from this is that those two teams both had a horrific day and, uh, they're, they're not, it doesn't mean that they're horrible football teams. Um, I think I'm hoping that as we go forward in the season, that Penn State game will continue to just look like a a horrific, misguided day and not uh, not a true indicator of what this team is. Here's hoping. Uh, speaking of things that happened this weekend, I I want everyone to ignore my bold call that TCU would beat Kansas State and focus instead on my brilliant. Clemson Syracuse work. <laughs> yeah, I feel like to your, the lesson to your credit, is the, le- the lesson is call every upset you can because you're gonna be right. <laughs> I feel like I, I I feel like you get credit though for saying when you when you talked about the TCU K State one, it was more about like the state of the Big Twelve tells me that this is this is, this is gonna happen. Like you didn't you didn't go out on a limb and say so and so is better than so and so. Whereas with the with the the Clemson game, you specifically said Clemson is going to hell and yeah. they may not survive. And guess what? Yeah. They didn't. Yeah. No, I, I was joking, but, uh, but apparently the loud house, as it's apparently known, Dino Babers will tell you, uh, that guy, man, what a speech, what a speech that guy. I mean, obviously that guy's really fun to play for and you have to love it for Cuse, which is just a hole that they play on this dome on the moon that like nobody, you know, I mean, it's great for basketball, but like, you just can't get guys to go up there, and Dino's doing it. He's got that team four and three right now, and I mean, with a win over Clemson, it's pretty. You got to give him credit for that. That's that speech made definitely made you want to go play for Dino Babers. Yeah, and because uh, you have anything to say about how your boy Dabo handled himself after the game? So oh, so much class. All <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> He, I just, I couldn't be pushing the bait out any farther. So I, I, I said as I, I encouraged Syracuse in the middle of that game, like wipe the the smug grin off that Jack Monkey's face, and what is he, he loses? And the first thing he thinks about is how can I turn this into a giant PR win for myself? I know. I'll go to Syracuse's locker room and congratulate them because I'm all class and I'm all gumption and I'm all rah 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 rah. I could not hate Dabo Sweeney and, anymore. And you know, I just expressly mouthing like you could see what he said to uh, to Babers at at the halftime. He's like, "I'm so happy for you. Really, you just got beat on the road by a Syracuse team you should have mopped the floor with. You're so happy for him, really." Really? I can't just, stand him. I can't oh stand him. I mean, it's like I, it's like he mouths it slow-mo with giant lips so that everybody can tell what he's saying. I mean, the guy is such a friggin' self-promoter. It makes me crazy. Oh, my gosh. I just feel like I'm the emperor exhorting Darth Vader right now. Like, your hate is just <laughs> give in to the hate. I, I just, like, your hate is making me stronger right now. <laughs> oh. God, just I mean, look at what Deshaun Watson is doing to the NFL. Can we stop lauding Dabo Sweeney for his <laughs> national championship? It's true. Let's see. Hey, they still have a lot of ACC games left in that mediocre conference. We'll see what happens now that they've been punched in the mouth. They're they're at the Wolf Pack. Come in, on, in NC weeks. State, do yeah. it. Come on. Yeah, that'll that'll be fun. Uh, NC State's all of a sudden like they're semi-legit or are they fully let's legit let's see if he goes to let's let's see if that jack monkey goes to their locker room <laughs> probably you not. know what's 
or or South Carolina's locker room if they miraculously figure out how to play football by the end I'll of the be, year. So I think I'm so fired that, up now. Speaking of hate, uh, a team that I am officially watching with great interest now is Notre Dame. Uh, through, <laughs> through so. First of all, Notre Dame's only loss is at home to a Georgia team who's awesome. <laughs> by by one point, too. By one point to the, either the number two or number three team in the country as things currently stand. They've been beating the tar out of everybody that they've played aside from that. Um, and the interesting thing for them is they had no way of knowing that their schedule would be as meaty as it turns out it is because NC State and Miami are great. So... Notre Dame's back six games, four of them are huge matchups. Um, you know, especially since they may be facing uh, a presumed Heisman Trophy winner in the final week of the season, the way Bryce Love is playing by the time they go out to Palo Alto. So you mean, you mean the human first Notre, down? The human first down. That's right. Yeah, ten what ten point three yards a carry. Lord have mercy. But so I mean, USC, NC State, and Miami. That's Three, that's three of Notre Dame's next four games. I mean, if Notre Dame's for real, we're going to find out. But they could easily play themselves into the championship conversation. That's for sure. How do you guys feel about a playoff field that features Alabama, Georgia, Notre Dame, and Oklahoma? Ugh. I would say I, – I mean, I. it's funny. I think Oklahoma's got a long way to go. Yeah, and <laughs> I mean, how how is no Big Ten team in that scenario? Like – what is the scenario where that happens? Ohio State wins the Big Ten, uh, beating Penn State and Wisconsin along the way, and they've got a loss to Oklahoma. And Notre Dame is has you know only the loss to Georgia by one point with I, a far so, far better strength of schedule. I so mean, Oklahoma still has Oklahoma State, TCU, and West Virginia, and they lost to Iowa State and then tried to lose to Texas. So. And the week before that, they beat Baylor by eight. So I, Oklahoma's not playing like a playoff team right now. Let's see if they can kind of like get it together. All, all, um, all I know is that the like I I'll be honest. I don't think there's any way that Notre Dame is going to win out. I think the questions around Brandon Wimbush are um, way too of an ordeal. Like Miami's got a good defense. NC State's got a def- good defense. Like. That guy, uh, I won't say Wilt's under pressure, but he he is a bit too skittish under pressure. Um, at least he has been. Plus, he's been banged up the last couple of weeks. Like I just I just don't think that they can survive that gauntlet. Whether they do or not, I think Georgia and Alabama are virtual locks at this stage. I mean, I just don't see anybody knocking them off as long as they play a close game in the SEC championship. I mean, get ready for the ultimate gnashing of teeth around this year's playoff field. Well, I, I kind of feel, too, if there's ever a year, and this would be really rare, that two conferences field all four teams. I could oh, see yeah, that, yeah that could happen, too. I could see that happening. Alabama and Georgia, and then let's say an undefeated Penn State and Wisconsin's only losses to Penn State yep. in the championship game. I could see all four of those teams going in. Wisconsin's road is cake. From they, here that, on that's out. the problem with Wisconsin. They're like Iowa a couple of years ago. Like, and the and the committee was lucky to not have to worry about Iowa because they got beat by Michigan State in that Big Ten championship. But they hadn't played anyone. Wisconsin the, is in that exact same boat. The flip side is, I mean, I Wisconsin's got as good of a chance of winning the Big Ten as anybody right now, just because if that one game is Michigan and and they, you know, I think they're just a better team than Michigan right now. So if they win that game. They just have to win one in the Big Ten championship game. And I think if you compare that to the road Ohio State still has or the road Penn State still has, I think Wisconsin's just – its they have a better road. I, but... I, th- I think a, uh, I think there's a chance an undefeated Wisconsin could get left out. Really? If, not if they win the Big Ten. I no. think there's a chance. Which, what, well, what's I the mean, scenario? It's the best conf- – it's the best – It's the, but it's the, the scenario at, at, is is a Georgia team that loses you know thirty five thirty one in the SEC championship to Alabama that's otherwise undefeated and has looked like an absolute world beater. Okay, so and a Notre so, Dame and a Notre Dame team that is eleven and one with the schedule that they've gone through. 
I mean, as things currently stand, the Big Ten is by far the best conference in the country. We It doesn't feel like that to us because the Big Ten West is such garbage. But the Big Ten, you know, has five ranked teams and they're all – and four of them are ranked – or actually, I'm sorry, what, six ranked teams? No, five ranked teams. But four of them are ranked really high. And I think, you know, then you have the SEC, which is – the SEC is so bizarre. The SEC has the one three. 21, 23, and 24 teams in the country. There's the, just this. The, the SEC is garbage, but would you take any Big Ten team against Alabama or Georgia? I certainly wouldn't. Maybe Georgia, I, I mean, but certainly not Alabama. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, credit were to to Georgia, probably not. I think at this point, well, I we shouldn't hate on Wisconsin. Wisconsin's playing really good football right now. Um, Just they may close, be close the your eyes. Close your eyes. Yeah, I want you to imagine Wisconsin. I, I'll tell you this: I'd pay to watch Wisconsin and Georgia. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's a that's a good game. I want you um, to close your eyes and imagine Alex Hornibrook throwing into the teeth of that Georgia defense, and tell yeah. me again how you feel Wisconsin could do against Georgia. I I know, I know. I I mean, I. I, I mean, Georgia to me is the second best team in the country right now. Um, exactly. One to you and everybody else, I think. Like, unless something dramatically changes, I think the SEC is getting two teams in, and I think, I think the Pac-12 is screwed. I think the Big 12 is on pace to knock themselves out, and I just I don't see how a Big Ten team gets in over you know, an ACC winner or Notre Dame if they, if they win out. Now I don't think Notre Dame is going to win out. So I think this might solve itself and, and whoever the big 10 winner is and whoever the ACC winner is get in. But I mean, if the calls for the 18 playoff weren't already hot or, or at least a 16 playoff, they're certainly going to get there. If, if the PAC 12 and big 12 both get left out. And by the way, that'd be the second year for each of them being left out of the mix. I, I guess if you put my feet to the fire, I would say two SEC teams, a Big Ten team, and then one of these Big 12 teams gets out of the whole thing with one loss, and that team gets into, and the ACC does not get a team in. I think that's kind of where I would – You don't think that's a 12-1 right Clemson would go? 12-1 Clemson would probably yeah. go. Yeah, you're probably right. But, again, they've got a ways to go too. Yeah, they do. They're, like, I like I just don't think Miami's winning out. I don't think – that team's a paper tiger. I mean, I'm, I'm so happy they're 5-0, and but that team, I just don't see – they're just not as good as being undefeated right now. Um, and NC State would have the schedule if they were to win out. I mean, that's a that's a tall order. They get they're at Miami this weekend. You know, we already talked about the Notre Dame game. They haven't played Clemson yet. Like, but they, but if that team won out, they would have the 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 resume to leapfrog yeah. certainly a, a Wisconsin, even if, even as Big Ten champion, undefeated yeah, Wisconsin. I, I mean, I think, to me, I just don't see how the Big Ten doesn't get one team in. I think, I, I'm I'm just, I feel like it's, I feel like Big 12 is going to be fighting over, although, you know, all the Big 12, you're going to have the full power of the Big 12 harping. Well, the, we the, have a championship the, game and, now. And that's actually what's going to screw them out of, out of the playoff, is is that championship game. You know, you're you're giving a rematch, you're giving someone an opportunity to beat someone they lost to, already and I, I don't know man that's uh unless oklahoma emerges and then they've got that trump card don't forget ohio state got in over big 10 champion penn state last year simply because they beat oklahoma in week three and I oklahoma we... has that exact same card up their sleeve this year yeah but that'd be uh, that'd be the card up their sleeve over like oklahoma state not over penn state yeah i don't it's, this, it's, that's the card that they would hold over uh, over a Big Ten champion who doesn't have a great strength of schedule. And, I mean, remember, like, Penn State beat Ohio State, and Ohio State went over them. If, I mean, I guess if, Ohio State could maybe go over Oklahoma if Oklahoma looks crappy down the stretch. I don't know. But I just – like, I think, I think there are more scenarios right now that could knock the Big Ten out of contention than, um, than we realize. Yeah, no, it's – there's still a lot left to a lot left to happen, and of course, we're not talking about TCU at all, who's technically the fourth team in the country. So, uh, I mean, maybe they I mean, it's not like they've looked amazing, but they do have three pretty winnable games on their schedule to get them to nine and zero. Uh, and 
I think Penn State certainly has a bigger chance of losing over that stretch. So, you know, I don't know. By the time TCU plays Oklahoma, they could be a top three team. So we'll if, see. If TCU loses to that godforsaken team in, in Waco, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit college football. I swear to God. On the other hand, I really want TCU to lose to Iowa State, who is kind of like becoming America's team this season, and I really want that to continue to happen. Sorry, I, I just awesome. needed to check the time code on this one just to make sure I had, I had that one down. <laughs> I, I wanted to ask you know, real quick Michigan Penn State right Michigan's defense yeah. is really good and Penn State really really and Penn good. State's defense is really really good does the over under of 45 seem a little high to you wow is that what it is boy that does that does seem high I, this feels like a game where they're both in the teens I Michigan put up what like forty something on this team, forty nine on this team last year. Yeah, Penn State's defense wasn't as good as it is this year. Last year, I, I mean, and, I don't even know. And I know Penn Michigan's like... really struggling on offense with all the turnover in their in their receiver core. I just I, maybe I'm maybe I'm just too blinded by by the Harbaugh experience over the years and when i when i look at him and i look at james franklin um it's really hard for me to understand how james franklin would ever beat jim harbaugh but i don't know i don't know i just for for whatever reason i just feel like michigan's gonna win this game and um when we all look back on it, we're gonna be like, "Oh yeah, that, that I guess that shouldn't have been a surprise." Like, because their their defense is so good, they're stocked with so much talent. As long as they don't let John O'Corn throw fifty times, <laughs> I think that, I think I, they'll be all right. I guess I don't know. I I just feel like as of right now, Penn State. I mean, when they want to, Penn State can have a pretty good offense and a pretty good defense. So I they, they also haven't played anyone yet, right? Like we haven't. I mean, we all we thought this year that Penn State would be in a lot of shootouts, and they haven't really played anybody with a great offense. Now, Michigan certainly doesn't have a great offense, but they've played they've played good defenses. They've played two defenses in Pitt and Iowa that played pick their pick your poison, let Barkley do whatever he wanted, and shut down McSorley. And both teams did better than anticipated against Penn State. Michigan won't have to make that choice. I think they've got the talent up front to, if not shut down Barkley, at least contain him without having to sacrifice coverage on the back end. It's, but I mean, it all, it all just keeps coming back to, I don't see how anybody scores points in this game, like on either side of the, on either side of the ball. Unless there's a lot of like special teams or like pick sixes. I mean, you know, the Michigan QBs are good for at least two picks, sixes a game. Six to four. Six to four. <laughs> uh, and anything else we need to discuss on this weekend's slate of uh, college football? I'll just mention that we were we were all pretty high on LSU coming into the season. I think in part because we were all just really excited that Ed Ogeron was um, fulfilling his lifelong dream of of being named head coach at LSU. And their win over Auburn last week, coming back from 20 points down, when it looked like, you know, his tenure was going to get cut shorter than anyone thought it might be. Like, just kind of, just kind of an amazing situation, um, and a really, a really fun one, I would argue. Um, I tend, I tend to like Ogeron. I think he's, I think he's pretty fun. Uh, I don't know. I just like, I, I feel like that's that was worth calling out. It's going to be fun to watch that team. They're not good. It's gonna be fun to watch them the rest of the year. They get they get to play a horrible Ole Miss team this week, granted on the road, but I don't know. I just i I haven't always loved the LSU Tigers, but um, I really like Ed Ocheron, and I hope I hope they continue to do well. This so this might not be the best Alabama team of the Nick Saban era, but this is the best Alabama team of the Nick Saban era relative to everyone else in the SEC West. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I'm not well, suggesting that LSU is gonna like. Oh no, no, no! Anything, I, but I think they. I'm might, only. They might go. I'm ten only, and, They might go nine and three instead of like seven oh, and five, like it looked like oh, a couple weeks ago. Oh, but I mean, it's like either is still very much on the table. 
but that doesn't just apply to LSU. That's Auburn. That's Mississippi State. That's Texas A&M. Like, they're all – it's all just, like, just, just this big, like, blah. Like, I'm happy for Coach O that he got those two wins each of the past two weeks. But, I mean, that team could easily be three and four right now. And uh, and they still have a bunch of hard games left on their schedule. But, I mean, like, that doesn't differentiate them from the rest of the SEC West. It's just, like, Alabama half awake week to week just rolling. And then everybody else just fighting for the scraps. While we're talking about hot SEC garbage, can we just briefly rejoice in the Schadenfreude around Tennessee and their fall? Oh, absolutely. Oh, and and as as we do that, there's just this tiny little thing voice in the back of my head says, "Watch Tennessee go into Alabama and beat them this week." Like, wouldn't that just be? It's clearly not going to happen. But how hilarious would that be? Yeah. I won't say that there's literally no chance because I will. There is literally no chance. Yeah, it's just like it's not going to happen. Um, um, I mean, but it'd be so funny but, if it did. Butch Jones has gotten to the point where he is just lit- like making up stuff. I think he said something like, "We did everything we needed to do to beat South Carolina except score touchdowns." Like this was a quote that came out of his mouth at the press conference, like. They have gone so far off the rails. The team has clearly, clearly quit. Yeah, they're going to play hard, but they don't have the talent. That's the biggest. That's the biggest issue. They don't have the they're, talent anymore. They're averaging nine points a game over their last four games, and one of those was against UMass. And now they have to play Alabama's defense at Alabama. <laughs> it's going to take doesn't more like than Tennessee. Nine. Like this isn't no. like they're going to sneak up on them, like like A and M maybe did. This is. You saw how Nebraska looked against Ohio State. That's what we're headed for here. I think it's the same kind of thing. Just eager, the eager tearing down of an institution. That's what that's what we're gonna see here. <laughs> I welcome it. Yes, I I do as Couldn't well. Couldn't happen to a nicer program. Yeah. Uh, so with that, let's go ahead and leave it there for this week as we uh, continue our search for the Swoley Grail. So for my final thought, um, a little bit of a little bit of NFL uh, commentary here, and I want to be a little bit careful about how I say this, but I think the Packers would be crazy to not go out and sign Colin Kaepernick. And not necessarily for the reasons you think. Like, first and foremost, like, they have quarterback issues in that Aaron Rodgers was knocked out by my Vikings, uh, broke his collarbone, is done for the year, which, frankly, I'm a little bit sad about. I think that takes something away from the NFL, but um, not sad that that it's going to give the Vikes a a great chance at winning the the division, etc. But from the NFL's perspective, like, they have really screwed up this entire situation for many, many, many reasons um, outside of the fact that they're just patently wrong about how they've approached uh, these protests and the way they've pushed back. Uh, the fact that Jerry effing Jones, who, who willingly and gleefully hired paid and played Greg Hardy last season, but has a problem with Colin Kaepernick or anybody on his team that might consider protesting the national anthem. I mean, that right there is just a clear sign of how jacked up the situation is in the NFL. But regardless, wouldn't the Packers be a perfect way to solve this? Um, And I say that in a very shallow kind of way, but they're a team that has no owner. They're owned by a public trust. So there's no, you know, uh, rich dude on the hook for for whatever. The Packers waiting list for season tickets is three generations long. Like people sign their kids up when they're born. They're, they're, there's no chance that they're going to struggle at the gate or in terms of their, their pedigree or, or their sales or anything. It would be a way to... Uh, legitimately get Colin Kaepernick onto a team that needs to change their entire offensive mindset anyway because they just lost Aaron Rodgers. Uh, it just seems to make a lot of sense, a lot more sense than Brett Hudley and whoever the other dude is that they had that, that was backing up um, Rodgers. So 
Uh, I just I think the Packers would be crazy to not take to not take this situation and you know if nothing else take some heat off of off of everybody release the pressure a little bit and uh, and allow folks to to come to the table and have some some solid discussions as opposed to the uh, the inanity that we've got right now um, and and the fact that there's a, a a guy who's better than probably two thirds of the signed quarterbacks in the NFL right now um, who isn't playing. So, uh, Packers, whoever's in charge of the Packers, figure this out. Ted Thompson, I think is, is, is the right name here. Um, get this done and, uh, and let's break the ice a little bit so that we can get to a, to a place where we're having better conversations and not this, uh, this stupidity that's happening right now. And we've got Northwestern's finest Mark Murphy up there to help, uh, to help grease the wheels on this. So hopefully that happens. Uh, for my final thought, uh, speaking of venting about professional sports, there is a rumor uh, that Landon Donovan is mulling a run for presidency of the United States Soccer Federation. Oh my god! I could I could not be pushing this any flipping harder. If if we replace Sunil Gulati with Landon Donovan, that would not be worth missing the World Cup. But it would be kind of close to being worth missing the World Cup. That might be worth missing two World Cups. That So, Sunil Gulati, who is awful at his job, being replaced by the greatest American soccer player ever, uh, and a guy who absolutely understands how the game works domestically and internationally. So, he's Donovan is mulling it. There apparently is another businessman who has thrown his hat in too, which I would have endorsed that too, just because anyone other than Gulati. But um, if Landon Donovan does announce that he's going to run for the presidency of the U S soccer federation, um, he'll almost certainly win. And that would be something good to emerge from the darkness of uh, this world cup cycle. So here's hoping John, what is, what is less likely? Um, Tennessee beating Alabama or the fact that Galati is just thoroughly corrupt through and through and bought and paid for. Well, I mean, it's the, the difference is that one of them is actually like odds. Like if you, if you're looking at Galati's four straight election wins in the U S soccer federation as like, Oh wow. What an amazing achievement that he pulled those off other than, Oh, so I guess he bought four straight elections. Like that's that's the kind of thing. Like if I told you beforehand, oh, Tennessee's paid all the Alabama players to just sit down so that Tennessee <laughs> can win the game, you wouldn't be like amazed at Tennessee's big upset. <laughs> but with all that said, I think that the you know the erstwhile pre-Christian Pulisic golden child of U.S. soccer announcing that he's going to run would be enough to to shine away even the, the worst level of corruption. But but hope hopefully, that's just me hoping against hope. But first, Donovan's got to formally announce that he's going for it, and I'm just really hoping he goes through with it. Uh, so for my final thought, I want to take it to, uh, to hockey here real quick. Um, shout out to the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, expansion team, 5-1 and one to start off the season. I mean, th- this is... Not happened in hockey, uh, an expansion team winning uh, five of their first six games since hockey was started. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens did that back in like 1920 something, and, uh, and, and Vegas has done it now. Um, they're not a good team. They're not gonna, it, it's not gonna last, but, uh, it's really, really cool to kind of see, uh, see this team. You know, scrap, scrap heap of everyone else in the league, you know, playing out in the desert. Um, also with everything that happened in Vegas, uh, just the team coming, uh, together with the community, uh, and to get off to this just rock and start is really cool. And I, have you guys seen their uniforms? Oh my God. They're beautiful. Absolutely gorgeous. Speaking, speaking of the search for the Holy Grail. Yeah. I mean, the, the Vegas uniforms are just gorgeous. So, um, so ev- 
everyone is eagerly watching, right? Like, the what will the fan support be? Will this team stay hot? Because that's what the NFL is watching. That's what every other pro sport is watching. Like, how much is Vegas going to support this team, you know, while they're playing well? They're sweet unis, you know? I, I really want to see it happen. I mean, Vegas is the kind of place that should be a sports town, so... I hope it. I hope it's the start of something. Well, and you essentially walk through the sports book at the Monte Carlo to get to the stadium, right? Like to get to the stadium entrance. Perfect. <laughs> it's 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 kind of awesome. And yeah, Sammy, I totally agree. Like it's really cool to see them doing this. Um, they do have Mark Andre Fleury and a pretty good defense. Well, Fleury, but, who's now yeah, out like, with a concussion. Oh, I didn't. So that. starting a goal for the Vegas Golden Knights is Malcolm Subban. Yes, PK Subban's little brother. Oh is my. a goalie. <laughs> he, he was not high on anyone's list. No, but, uh, you know, for for hockey to be the first step, and then the NFL is coming right behind. I mean, the Raiders are going to be there in a few years. And uh, it was just announced earlier this week, uh, WNBA is uh, is coming to town. Um, San Antonio, uh, the San Antonio Stars are moving from San Antonio to Vegas. Uh, bummer to see them leave San Antonio. That is definitely a fun basketball town. But uh, Mia Coffey gonna be playing uh, in right off the strip, so that that's good times. And then Major League Baseball is gonna move the Miami Marlins there and install Pete Rose as their head coach. <laughs> Derek Jeter's got it all planned out. Well, I mean, it, you say that, but they did. You know, I think in the whole uh, Raiders Stadium deal, there's. Might have been a few million dollars, up to a hundred million dollars, kind of scurried away for a triple A baseball stadium to be built in Vegas. Um, they have a double A stadium now. Uh, well, I mean, they have a, they have a minor league stadium. It's not very good, but, uh, it sounds like there's a pretty big chunk of cash being squirreled away for a top notch minor league, uh, baseball stadium there. So we shall see. And with that, we'll go ahead and wrap it up for the week. Head to our website, westlotpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter, at Pirates. You can call our voicemail line at 847-231-2287. That's 847-231-CATS. And email the show, westlotpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. And look for us in the Westlot of Brian Field flying the red pirate flag, because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. John Lacombe and Eric Scousboy, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Vegas, baby. Vegas.